Welcome to Indie Stories episode 20. In this episode, I present Falls, a short story by Geeta Nair G. It's about a romance that happened many years ago. Still, a chance encounter brought back memories of what looked real at one time, but underneath it was a show rather than a commitment. We calculate how our future will play out, but the arc of life is unpredictable. All of our plans and schemes can unravel as time marches forward. The story is drawn from the Punch magazine anthology of new writing by the women writers and is presented here with the permission of Shireen Kadri, anthology's editor. Geeta Nayarji is a retired professor of English from Kerala. She has authored numerous short stories and poems and won a Rabindranath Tagore poetry competition in 2019. Let us hear the story Falls by Professor Geeta Nayarji. He was slumped on a wrought iron seat under a shady tree. In front of him towered the Indian Institute for Advanced Study. Shimla in May wasn't exactly cool or pretty. Like his wife without makeup, he thought with a surge of bitterness. His wife had insisted on the Shimla trip and on his accompanying her. An old school friend of hers lived in Simla. Her daughter was in the process of getting married. The prolonged festivities had tired him out. He had taken a break. The IIAS was one of his favorite places. History in stone, its grandeur, its well-kept gardens, its air bristling with stories of a bygone era. He gazed at the windows. Silhouetted behind one of them, he saw a face in profile. He sat up, Sudha. The shape of the chin, the set of the head, the long neck, no. He was imagining things. These days, he thought of her often. He did not know why. Thirty years is a long time. Sudha moved quickly away from the library window. Yes. It was Ravi. He had changed much, but when he looked up, all doubts had been dispelled. A long time, thirty years. Sudha and Ravi had been classmates, masters in economics, Delhi. They had been drawn to each other by their lost state. They had come from far-flung districts to the capital city and shared a love for reading. Soon the love had spilled over from books to each other. She felt under the spell of his eloquence, his Gandhian ideals, his dreams. One dream was to join the civil services to serve his land. He persuaded her to join the coaching classes along with him. In those days, there were hardly any coaching centers. Civil services coaching had not yet boomed as an industry. They went to a venerable retired officer 
who conducted classes in his home come coaching center. Every evening after university, the two of them would walk to the coaching class. They had chosen English literature as their advanced subject, mainly because it was what the old gentleman handled best. And of course, both of them loved reading English novels. Learning was one thing, reading for enjoyment another. She tired of the constant dinning, the grappling with names and movements. Why did you drag me into this? She moaned one evening as they were walking towards the dark steps that led to the road. By way of answer, he laughingly quoted a line from Marlowe's Dr. Faustus, which had been analyzed that day. It is a comfort to the wretched to have companions in misery. Ravi had been fascinated by the play, by the scholar who had sold his soul to the devil in return for 24 years of knowledge and power. A fine bargain, he had said to her smiling, especially as we don't believe in devils. They stopped on the steps and melted into each other's arms. This was their routine. She never let him get beyond kisses on her face and on her midriff, though he could feel her desire in the way her body arched and her breath quickened. He would stoke and kiss her flat, white midriff in desperation and exclaim, floundering in the bloody English Channel with no hope of reaching England or France. He blamed it on her deadly convent education. She would only smile in reply. He cleared the exams. She did not. He made it to the list. Bihar was to be his promised land. Learn Bihari. I'll be back soon to get you. He smiled as they parted with lingering kisses. He wrote her letters from marvelous Missouri. Meanwhile, she had found a job as a lecturer in a college not far from her ancestral home. Then came his first posting, Bhagalpur. He promised her silk saris in different shades of pink and evenings by the Ganga. But aren't we cotton lovers, she wrote back. As the days went by, though he wrote less and less about themselves, more and more about the places he visited, the people he met, the challenges he faced. The letters grew fewer and cooler. Oddly enough, she kept remembering the teenage days spent in the custody of her grandmother. Supper was invariably rice gruel. When she was late, her grandmother rebuked her, saying, Once it loses its heat and warmth, it is fit only for the cows. She was expecting the blow when it landed. He was getting married to the daughter of an industrialist based near Patna. It was straight out of a commercial movie, this right royal ditch. The letter continued, What is being in love, after all? Just the fruit of suggestion, circumstance and utility, just a solution to loneliness and lust, an illusion doomed to be wrecked on the rocks of reality. He had always been a good debater. At the very end of the letter were two words that struck her as ludicrous, forgive me. She put Ravi behind her as resolutely as she had her parents 
who had died when she was still a teenager. Sudha immersed herself totally in her academic pursuits. At 40, she was the most respected and reputed professor in her area of specialization. She had now moved to the prestigious Central University in her neighboring state. It was on the outskirts of the city. Learning how to drive a car had become a necessity. She visited a driving school. The owner instructor was a muscular man in his thirties. His appraising look brought color to her face. She wanted to walk out, but something rooted her to the spot. The driving lessons began. The instructor was called Hari. Mornings and evenings, he would drive up in his old car and take her through winding by-lanes and gradually through the bustling city roads. His strong hairy forearms emerging from the rolled up sleeves, the scent of cigarette smoke and something else that he emitted, his eyes on her, everything aroused in her a wild sweetness. Her mastery of driving paralleled his mastery of her. In two weeks he accomplished what Hitler could not in several years. Another month she was the possessor of both her driving license and her marriage certificate. For several days she dwelt in a dreamland. There were only Hari's voice and body there. Slowly the dream turned misty and vanished. She awoke. She realized she had made a gross mistake. Sudha went back to the window. He was still there. She walked downstairs and went up to him. He was dozing. She saw the changes that time had punished him with, the balding head, the bulging stomach. Why was there no taste of ashes in her mouth? Her eyes took in the expensive shirt, the shoes, the huge watch on his thick wrist. In her memories, he wore his trademark khadi kurta and kolapuri chappals. She stood undecided a while, then she turned and walked away swiftly. The rustle of her cotton sari must have woken him. He saw her unmistakable shape walking away from him, much like Eurydice from Orpheus. But they were fated to meet that very night. Sudha had parked her car at the usual spot. Next to her was a BMW. From it issued a steady stream of invective delivered in a woman's voice. It was about not knowing how to handle drivers, stupidity, cupidity and so on, delivered in scathing English. Though she was accustomed to verbal abuse, Sudha was shocked. She instinctively glanced at the occupants of the car as she was raising the glass. Ravi and a woman? Of course it had to be his wife, that slim, heavily made up vixen sharing the back seat. The expression on Ravi's face hurt Sudha. It was that of one who had sold his soul. A fountain of pity rose up in her for this man whom she once loved so deeply. Sudha's husband had staggered up to the car by now. He had liquor bottles in both his hands. Sudha got out of the car to open the door for him. It was then that Ravi saw her. He stared at her with shocked, unbelieving eyes. For a long moment, their eyes locked, then his dropped. 
On his lap, she saw a fluffy dog that he was trying in vain to hold down. In a comfort to the wretched to have companions in misery, she mused as she started the car and drove down the hill. That was False, a short story by Professor Geetha Nair G. I shall be back next week with another outstanding work of short fiction. Stay well. I am Surinder Deol saying goodbye.